0: We're going to do something a little bit different this morning, which uh, I hope going forward does not feel a little bit different, because I want it to become a regular rhythm uh, for our church. I'm not going to preach a sermon this morning. We're going to have two testimonies from the congregation this morning. Yeah. As, uh, as I've said many times, I do not want this to be the Gary show on, Saturday, on Sunday mornings. It's Saturday mornings. That was strange. Cartoons. Uh, And I want us to hear at regular intervals uh, about who is in our body and what God is doing in their lives. And so uh, I thought it was just super appropriate on Thanksgiving weekend to have two people share testimonies of thanks for what God has done and is doing in their lives. So that's what we're going to have this morning. Uh, Sharon Ortiz and Henry Cantu are going to share their testimonies this morning. And I know you all recognize it is no small thing to get up in front of all of you and speak. So I know that we will make them feel super wel- welcomed and affirmed. Uh, and before I welcome Sharon up, let's just pray, okay? God, we thank you for this day once again, and we thank you for this time. And now as we turn our hearts towards you and towards your word and towards your work in our lives, I pray that you would just bless Sharon and Henry as they share with us I pray, God, that it would not be a a public speech, but it would just simply be a recounting of how good you are and what you have done. And God, I pray that we would be blessed by hearing about your work in our body in this time. We thank you that you are a God who is active and working even when we can't see it. We thank you that you are a good God. I pray that you would quiet our hearts before you, and I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts to receive what you have for us from these messages that we're going to hear in just a few moments. Thank you for all you have done, in Jesus name, amen. You can be seated and let's welcome up Sharon Ortiz.
1: Pastor Gary asked me to share a testimony on the theme of Thanksgiving. I immediately thought of the story from The Hiding Place. Many of you know the story of The Hiding Place. It's about Corrie ten Boom, who was a Dutch Christian. Her family hid Jews during the Holocaust. Um, Eventually, they were caught, sent to prison, and then to concentration camps. Her father did not survive prison, and her sister, Betsy, died in the concentration camp Corey survived and then went around the world speaking on forgiveness and the grace and goodness of God. There's a lesser known story in that book, which is one of my favorite stories, and it's about fleas. So Corey and her sister Betsy, they're, you know, cattled into this concentration camp, treated inhumanely um, along with hundreds of other women, and they get to their barracks where they have to sleep. And it's just infested with fleas. And, you know, she just loses it. And she says, how are we going to survive this place? Miraculously, they were able to smuggle a Bible into this concentration camp. And her sister Betsy says, well, let's open the Bible, because that will tell us what to do. So they open the Bible to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And Betsy said to her sister, Corey, this is how we're going to survive. We're going to give thanks. And so they started praying, and they thanked God for all the women who were there. They thanked God for this and that. And then Betsy said, and God, I thank you for the fleas. And Corey said, truly, this is too much. I can't thank you for the fleas. Well, sometime later, um, Betsy, she was too weak to do manual labor outside of the barracks. So the women who were physically too weak, they stayed in the barracks and they did like sewing or some other tasks. And while she did this work, she was able to share with these other women about Christ and hold Bible studies. And it was risky because at any time the prison guards could catch them and, you know, they could even be killed for sharing about Jesus. Later, they found out that while the guards did um, patrol the barracks, they never came to this particular barrack because of the fleas. It's easy to look at the story and kind of brush it off as you know, they were just at another level of faith, they were like super Christians. But really, this is just the result of simply choosing to believe God's word. We have two choices at any given moment of our lives and every circumstance of our lives to either believe God's word or not. And if we believe God's word is true, then we have to believe all of it. And this is hard when you read verses like 1 Thessalonians 5:17 give thanks in all circumstances or Romans 8:28 we know for those who love God all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. It's easy to kind of overlook that word all, right? Because we think, how can I give thanks for this or for that person in my life? There's a difference between feeling thankful and giving thanks. One is a feeling, and it's easy. The other is a command, and a lot of times it's hard. Um, For those of you who don't know me, we have three beautiful children, Jedediah, who's our oldest, Matthias, our middle son, and then our princess, Abigail. Um, Our middle son, Matthias, is autistic, and that's actually a big reason of why we chose to make ALCF our home. If you didn't know, our kids' ministry has a special needs program. Ms. Magda Ramos is a director, and she's wonderful. And we have a handful of wonderful volunteers who, yeah. Um, we have some volunteers who act as his buddy, so he can go to safari kids and learn about Jesus just like everybody else. And dad and I could come to worship. Um, and let me just lay down some disclaimers about autism because I know I still had a lot of stigma and I didn't know a lot about it. Autism is a neurological condition his brain is wired differently from ours that's all it is he sees things differently he feels things differently he processes things differently Um, in a lot of ways it's a gift autism is a spectrum there's a saying if you've met one person with autism you've met one person with autism you can meet two people with autism who have very vastly different um, experiences um it's not something he can be healed from. A lot of people have said with the best intentions and love that they're going to pray for healing for our son. But just as your brain doesn't need fixing, neither does his. He just needs tools to navigate this world. The biggest challenge with autism is that this world and society seems to be um, adhered to a set of rules that he just doesn't get. I really didn't want to talk about autism. Um, you know, when, in one way it seemed kind of like the obvious thing or the easy thing to talk about, and it could get a ton of attention and sympathy, and I, I didn't want to exploit my child, but I really didn't want to talk about autism because it's just so hard. As you can imagine, the special needs world is an emotional roller coaster. We've experienced some really beautiful things because of autism. And we've experienced some really ugly things because of it. I see so much beauty in how Matthias views the world. He finds adventure everywhere and he's fascinated by things that I would just gloss over. Sometimes it feels like I see the world in black and white and he sees it in color. He feels so deeply and there's just this unfiltered way about him. He is just the most free to himself person i have ever known and i admire that and i envy that about him there's no social restraint there's no concern of what anyone thinks about him Um, if he's happy he's happy with his whole body if he's sad like the world is over he's sad he's free in himself he's taught me more about loving others accepting and understanding those who are different about God's heart than any sermon or any seminary class ever has. Those qualities can also drive me crazy because it means things like if he wants to touch something, he'll find a way to do it and it's not always safe or appropriate. Sometimes the thing he wants to touch is not always appropriate. (laughs) Um, When he was younger especially, he didn't have a sense of danger and that was terrifying. He doesn't have language skills to express himself appropriately so You know, again, especially when he was younger, there was just a lot of guessing of when he got hurt, how he got hurt, what the degree of it, and more trips to the emergency room with him than any of my other kids. Or he'll get in trouble at school for doing things and he can't tell us why. And I hate that he gets in trouble without being able to tell his side of the story and not having his own voice. He lacks coping skills. So even little things like wanting to pet a cat can become big things. And then the anxiety becomes unbearable and he'll melt down over something that's so small. We take these things for granted, don't we? Coping, language, even a sense of danger. They don't develop the same for everyone. And I don't want to change him. And by the way, I don't want you to pity him when you see him, but I do invite you to learn from him He is fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And if I cannot see that, I am the broken one. But as parents, there's this tension that we live in of, if I could take away his autism, would I? And we just swing on this pendulum of, of course not. You know, how can you wish for a different child? How can I want to change my child? It's part of who he is and I love him. And there are things that are just so obviously hard, medical needs, safety, meltdowns, special education, and then you're on this side and you're saying, of course, I would take it away from him if I could. And where I most often land as a mom is, I don't know if I'll ever have the right answer to that on this side of heaven. One blogger put it this way, it is as simple and as complicated as that. And as much as I didn't want to talk about it, I knew that in preparing for today, God wanted me to talk about autism, not for you, but for me. He's revealing a big flea in my life that I didn't know how to give thanks for because I didn't want to. Because like Corey told her sister Betsy, this is too much. But do I really believe God's word? All of it. If I truly believe all things work together for good. If Corey and Betsy Ten Boom can give thanks for fleas in a concentration camp, then as much as it might not feel good, I must give thanks even for autism. Even saying that now feels a little painful. But offering is often painful. Offering is costly. And Thanksgiving is absolutely an offering and an act of worship. It's an act of faith. When they gave thanks for the fleas, the fleas didn't go away. The situation didn't change. But rather than saying thank you in hindsight, once they knew the fleas granted them protection from the guards, They gave thanks before any good came out of it. Thanksgiving is an invitation to faith. It's saying I choose to give thanks now because I believe in who God is and in his word, in all of it, that he is good, that he works for my good. It's a surrender of my control over my situations and an invitation for God to take control. It's an invitation to allow God to derail my plans for his As a mom, that's a hard thing. As a mom of a child with special needs, it's unthinkable. It almost feels like a betrayal. Who will care for him but me? Who will understand him but me? Who will love him like me? This world is not always kind to him and I've seen the way that people look at him and I've seen the way that people judge and misunderstand him and it's not he's not broken, he's just different and all I want to do as a mom is to make a world and fight for a world that is safe for him before I die and leave him I don't want to say thank you for autism before I arrive at that safe and kind world then God reminds me He, too, had a child that this world didn't understand. He, too, has a child who was mistreated because the world didn't understand him. And in his goodness, he holds my heart and he whispers to my soul, I know your pain. I felt it, too. But unlike me, God took his child from a perfect world into a sinful one to suffer for and redeem me. When I remember this, I remember that giving thanks is not just something that I'm supposed to do. I give thanks to a person, and that person is good. He is trustworthy. I can surrender to him. I can give thanks to him, even for autism, because I know that he loves Matthias infinitely more than I ever could, and he works. He works. He works for his good. I recently heard a sermon by Matt Chandler, and he said something so powerful. He said, When we don't view ourselves rightly and we don't view God rightly, we make accusations against him in our hearts. When we view God rightly, our right posture is always one of thanksgiving. The converse is also true. When we don't live in a posture of gratitude and thanksgiving, our perception of God is wrong. It's really easy to forget his goodness and to forget who he is. So I don't know how Matthias' life will pan out. I don't know how my own life will pan out. And again, giving thanks doesn't mean that our situations will change, but it's an invitation to faith. And I want to have this kind of faith, this kind of flea faith that can give thanks in all things for this is my will in Christ Jesus, my Lord.
2: I want to say amazing grace that saved a, great, a, a, a wretch like me I was blind but now I see I was lost but now I'm found could I get uh, First Timothy up there? there it is I thank Christ Jesus our Lord because he trusted me and gave me this work of serving him he gives me strength In the past, I insulted Christ. As a proud and violent man, I persecuted his people. But God gave me mercy because I did not know what I was doing. I did that before I became a believer. But our Lord gave me a full measure of his grace. And with that grace came the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a true statement that should be accepted without question Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But I was given mercy so that in me, Christ Jesus could show that he has patience without limit. Christ showed his patience with me, the worst of all sinners. He wanted me to be an example for those who would believe in him and have eternal life. Amen and amen. Yeah, uh, yeah look at who paul look at who paul's talking about who god showed mercy look at this she put up acts 9. in jerusalem saul was still this is paul who wrote that little message a minute ago in jerusalem saul was still trying to scare the followers of the lord even saying that he would kill them he went to the high priest and asked him to write letters to the synagogues in the city of Damascus. Saul wanted the high priest to give him the authority to find people in Damascus who were followers of the way they were Christians. If he found any believers there, men and women, he would arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem to be tortured and even killed. That's who Jesus looked at and said, you know what? I'm going to use you, Paul. That's pretty amazing. I don't know about you. I think that's pretty cool, you know? God looked at Paul in that mess, in that place, and says, I'm going to use you. That's me. Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. Let me tell you, I am the chief of backsliders. My probation officer told me one time that I've been, he was looking through my documents, and he said, you know what, you've been booked into this county jail over 100 times. This San Mateo County jail over 100 times. And that's not even including Alameda County, San Francisco County, Santa Clara County. I've been in those too. And he said, this jail alone over 100 times. I've been booked into San Mateo County Jail over hundred times, I've been booked into pri- I've been to prison. I'm not, ter- in jail you're an inmate, in prison you're a convict. I've been to prison, San Quentin, Solano, Vacaville, San Luis Obispo, four different prisons. I went back to prison five times. I did the original commitment, then I went back on four violations. And I'm telling you, you have no idea. You know how many times those, I went back into jail and through God under the bus, I would go into jail, I get out, i go back to drugs, throw God under the bus. i go into jail, get into the Bible, go to church, Bible studies, be talking about God. I even went to a Christian drug program once and I still fell. I did two years clean, which was a miracle. You know, I, I could never do more than a couple of weeks clean coming out of jail. Oh, no, I should take this off, huh? What am I doing? Man, what am I thinking? <laughs> that was weird. Okay, so anyways, yeah, so I never did more than a couple of weeks clean coming out. I went to Victory Outreach, Christian drug program. I went there for nine months and I got out and I did, nine, I did about two years clean, and, but I still fell. I needed a lot of help. Okay, I was a mess. Okay, and God, you know the amazing thing is every time I got out, I threw God under the bus. He never threw me under the bus. He never gave up on me. He says I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. He, he says that and he means it. He ain't gonna throw you out of the bus. You know, he doesn't just kick you out of the kingdom, you know, just because some sin in your life. When Jesus became sin for you, he became sin for you. He said, yeah, he was manifested to take your sin away. The Bible says that. It says in him there's no sin, so if you're in him, there's no sin. He says if he has not risen from the dead, you would still be in your sins. But he has risen from the dead. So you, believer, are not in your sins. Because he did rise from the dead. And I confess him as Lord, and I believe he rose from the dead, so I'm not even in my sin. God looks at sinners, and he sees saints. He sees saints who sometimes sin. Unfortunately, we do. But we're growing. We're maturing. You know, and that's the beautiful thing about it. And God wants me to see that. When I start to understand that I am, I am, I am righteous, I am created righteous and truly holy, that I am a child of the king, I am, crea- I am made a king and a priest, I am accepted in the beloved, That as he is, so am I in this world right now. As he is, so am I here now. And that he invites me to come boldly to the throne of grace and receive mercy and grace whenever I need it. He says, come boldly through the blood into the holiest place. Boldly, he's inviting me to boldly. And here I am, groveling in the dust, crying for mercy, begging for forgiveness, confessing all my sins. And all the time he's telling me, come, get up. Put some boldness on there, yeah, that, that, put on the breast, that breastplate of righteousness. Is your armor against the devil? And that, that armor against the devil becomes a, a robe of righteousness for me. So approach me, he says, you must worship me in spirit and in truth. We're supposed to approach God in the spirit, created righteous and truly holy, a new creature. All things are new. Bible says you're hid in Christ. The Bible says you're the righteousness of God in Christ. The Bible says that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ. The Bible says you are complete in Christ. You're in Christ. You're in Christ, and he's in you. And that's a whole new relationship. When he imputes his righteousness, he's saying, I am giving you a right relationship with me. And it's through the blood. Yeah. And so I needed to, I, when I started to understand, see, I started to get a picture of God. It wasn't like what I'm hearing. Just beg for forgiveness and cry for mercy and all that. Cry for mercy? He says, "Come boldly to get it. Come boldly and get mercy, boldly." So I started to see God totally different. I started to see like the prodigal son. You know, in the story of the prodigal son, you when the son came home, you know who was angry? The brother. The father was angry. You know, he had a right to be angry, but he wasn't. You you know who you mentioned to sin? The brother. This son of yours wasted all your money on prostitutes. He mentioned the sin, the father didn't. You know who wanted fellowship? The father, he ran to that boy. He, he didn't wait for any apologies. He ran to the boy before he said a thing. He wanted fellowship. It was a brother who said he was so angry he wouldn't even come in the house. This son of yours wasted all your money on prostitutes. Man, the, that, that story of the Paul of is telling you what God is? and what he isn't. The father is what the father, what God is. Jesus is introducing a whole new program that's coming through him. You know, oh, yeah. You know, I, when I finally, I finally, the last time I got arrested, I was looking at 10 years to life. I was looking at 10 years. I was called. it's called a career criminal. It's three strikes, three felonies, same crime, sales of drugs, sales of drugs, sales of drugs. This was 25 years ago it was the last time I got arrested. Okay, and I was looking at 10 years at least. Yeah, 10 years. Okay, I've already been through Victory Outreach, a Christian drug program through the, through, through, through the court system. I didn't have another chance at a program. They already tried that. Didn't work. And here I am, I'm busted, I'm red-handed. They found all kinds of drugs in my car. They an informant informed on me and I was arrested, red-handed. Then they went to my house and you don't even wanna know what they found there. Okay, and so I was busted. There was no way out of this thing and I'm going into the law library trying to find a way out of this, trying to find some way out. You know, and finally, I just, I saw, you know, I'm done. I'm fried. I, there's nothing I can do. And I just went and I just prayed, Father God, you know, I knew how to pray because I've been to Victory Outreach. I knew about, that was a Christian broke program. So I knew how to pray. I knew I didn't want to say, God, help me, get me out of this so I can go do some more dope. You know, I wasn't even going to go there, okay? Because I knew that's what I would do. So I just said, Lord, I deserve this. I deserve at least this. All the stuff I've done and gotten away with, you know, I deserve this. You know, Lord, wherever I go, whatever prison, just use me. You know what? Oh, boy. And you know, within a couple of days, I was walking by a garbage can. And there in a the garbage can is this highlighted document, you know, like Jay, the Jones versus the people. You know, one of those documents about a, it was a drug case. And I look and it's all highlighted. And I'm like, well, what is this? I look around. Nobody's looking. So I pull it out. And I'm looking at this, and this is doc, it's a document about a case just similar to mine where they're attacking the police informant, attacking the police procedure. And I'm like, wow, I could probably beat my case. Everything I was looking for for months in the legal library was right there in the garbage. Gee, I wonder where that came from. Thank you, Jesus. You know, He gave me a way out of this situation, but not so I could go home and do more dope. You know, that's, my, my, that's what I do best, okay, this backsliding thing. So what what I did was I was able to take that to my my attorney, and I told, him there's something called plea bargaining. whether well, you plea bargain down for a bit lesser charge or you know less time if you have a, if you might beat your case, you know, rather than going to trial and you them lose, you know. Well, if he'll accept this, we'll t- give him that. So I gave him that, and I did, they got he got me. My lawyer, I told him, you can get me into Delancey Street. Oh, two years in Delancey Street. That's attack therapy. That's tough. I I had an opportunity to go there before, but I chose two years in prison over two years in Delancey because in prison you do half time. So I'm thinking, oh, I'll only do a year or so in in prison, so I'll just take prison and and not, you know, I don't want to. I heard bad things, crazy things about Delancey. But now it's sounding pretty good with 10 years. (laughs) I'm like, oh, please give me Delancey. You know, so I, I, you know, I I gave that to my lawyer and he got me into Delancey. Uh, He got me a year county to be modified. After I do half that year, I go to Delancey and I found myself at Delancey and you know what? Oh my gosh, it's attack therapy. It's tough. They get on you. They, they drill you. You know, it, it's, it's groups. We all can yell at each other. We, we take turns yelling at each other. So everybody yells at each other. It's just attack therapy. We go around a room and we, we drill people for what we see, what's wrong in your life, What, you, what you're selfish, you're proud, you're, you're, you, know, you talk behind people's back, anything. You know, we just drill people. But you know what? I was in one of those games. Remember, I'm the chief of backsliders. I got pretty good at throwing God under the bus. God got me to the Lancy so I could hear something that no church would ever tell you this. No no church would ever say this. But I went into one of those games one day and because when I came back to, when I came back to the Lord, I knew I'm not going to swear. I'm not swearing no more. I'm coming back to the Lord. This has got to work. I know this is going to be the deal. So I didn't swear in there. And this one girl in the game, she says, she says, hey, what's your deal? What, were you a, a priest out there? You know, thought I was some fallen priest because I never swear. Everybody else swears, right? And she says, well, you're a fallen priest. And this one guy says, no, that's Henry Cantu. He, 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 he's been to Victory Outreach, Christian drug program. Yeah, Henry, the game's on you. You went to Victory Outreach, you went to Christian drug programs, and you went back to drugs. You need to quit playing with God. And I was like, whoa, man. And I got 14 guys screaming at me, yelling at me, you know, telling me, you need to just forget God now and just do Delancey Street. And they were attacking my faith. Man, I came out of that game so beat down thinking, Lord, what is this? They want us, they're, they're attacking you. They're attacking my faith in you. What is this? You know what? What they meant for evil, God meant for good. That, that, that broke me of that backsliding habit, to have these people, I'm supposed to be the Christian, and they're telling, them non christians swearing. They're, they're putting, throwing the F word in there with the name of God. You know, it's like, well, you know, they're not Christian, right? And, and they're telling me, you need to quit playing with God. I should be telling them, you need to get serious about the Lord but they're telling me, non-Christians. Oh, man, if that didn't shake me up, nothing will. You know, and I, I look back on that. And I say, that's the best thing ever happened to me. It broke me in my backsliding habit. Another thing they did there at Delancey is they take away your Bible. For the first year you're there, you can't have one. Because Mamie Silbert, who designed that program, knows we do that. We go into jail. We go back. We go right back to our life of crime. She knows we do that. So she says, you know, and you could always have a, job, a Bible in jail. But he says, in here, you ain't playing that. You, after you're here, if, you, if you're here a year, it, it, we'll let you have a Bible if you're not making a big deal about it. If you just submit to authority and do, play the program, do the program, and eventually you can have a Bible. You know, you know what that did for me? Oh, my gosh. After a year and I can have one? Oh, man. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. That that made me fall. Man, man, oh, man. Now, now this Bible really mattered. Uh Ah, see, that was God's design. He got me to Lancy Street to get what I needed, man. God knew what I needed. He knew just to get me right to the right place where I can get. Nobody's going to sit here and nobody's going to come to you in in, in church and say, you need to quit playing with God. They're not going to do that. Put little gloves trying to, you know, pat you on the back, maybe, you know. Oh, the blessings of the Lord. (laughs) <laughs> ah, yeah, come on, I need somebody to give me some reels, you know, take the gloves off and give me some solid stuff. That's what they did to me there. You know, I could have went through Delancey Street, I could have got all that attack therapy tighten my gut so I man up and keep a job so I man up and don't fold and go back to drugs. You know, I can get all that attack therapy, I could have got all that... Uh, um, that uh, um, what is it, uh, that character development, that attitude adjustment, that behavior modification. I could have got the education. I got a G. Uh, a P, I got my, um, um, yeah, my GED, I got my GED there, you know, and I, I got three marketable skills. I got a B license so I could drive buses. I got a lot of good stuff there, but you know what? I could have got all that from, from Delancey Street and I would have still went to hell. Because that's not what saves you. That's not what does it. What does it a serious relationship with God? And God, God, I've been serious about the Lord, but God got me serious about being serious, okay? And that's where I am today. I got a jail ministry now through a, ALCF. God, but I came to ALCF five years ago, and I didn't even know they had a jail ministry here. This was God brought, brought me here. God got me here, and I went to jail ministry, and Fred DeGree and I were going in there, and Fred DeGree, he's he saw, he, he, I was just, I was like, he was teaching it, and I was like, I was dying to say something. My, I'm just, Whoa, I want to talk to these guys. I got some help for them, and I want to talk. I want to talk. But he's talking, and I'm just watching. And boy, when he finally stepped out and just let me have the place, boy, man, who look out! I started dream and, and these guys are getting saved in there. They, they come, they, I, oh my gosh! I'm getting letters from prison. They send letters to, to ALCF, and they send them to my home, and they telling me, thank you that I met you. You changed my life. I got after I teach, after I teach, I, I don't tell them nothing different. I'm telling you. I teach the love of the God. I tell them about the grace of God. I don't tell you. I don't butter up the message. I don't change nothing. It's just, that's what captures you. Paul said, it's the love of God that compels me. You know, that's it's the love of God. You know, with The old covenant was, you know, I got to, you know, we got to really love God with all our mind, all our, all, all our soul, all our strength. The new covenant message is, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. The new covenant grace, the dispensation of grace in Ephesians chapter 3 is the dispensation of grace is that you get a load of his love, how high, how deep, how long, how wide. That's the dispensation of grace. That's what he says in Ephesians when he talks about the dispensation of grace. It's his love for you. Oh my gosh. That's got to come first. That's why it's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The number one fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, but it's got to come from him to you, through you, to others. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the love of God. We gotta soak up the love of God. We gotta know, we gotta take all the blinders off and all traditions. Jesus said you let the traditions of men make the word of no effect. The word is totally ineffective in your life. If you lift listen to what tradition is teaching, man, we need to quit, man. There's some stuff going on out there. They just give you, keep you distant from God. That makes make you think you still got the Adamic nature, which hides from God. No, you got the Holy Spirit, your body's lip of the Holy Spirit. You don't have two natures. Come on, we need to lose that. It's not black dog, white dog, whichever one you feed the most is going to win. You won. You're more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you. You're a winner. You win, you win, you lose, you win. Oh my gosh, that's good. So listen, this is what we got to understand about God. God is never going to ask you to be more holy than he is. He's never going to ask you to show more love than he shows. If he tells you, I don't want you to return evil with evil, I want you to do, on the contrary, return evil with good. That's him. That's what I found. That's, what I, that's, why, I can under, that's why I can preach that so well, because that's what he did for me. I cussed God out. I called him every name in the book. You know what I found? A God who turns the other cheek. A God who blesses those who curse him. The very thing he asked me to do, he did for me. He did it for me. He did. Door was always open. He, I, he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He never turns his back on me. He never forsakes me. I turn my back on him. We need to get this. He, he tells you, man, he tells you to be more blessed to give than to receive. He's more blessed to give you love than you can get it back. You know what the cross? You know what the cross is? The cross shows you that. He's more blessed to die for you than living eternity without you. He'd rather die for you than living Let me tell you this. This is heavy. God, no, no okay, this is going to show you where you're at with God. You want to see where you're at with God? Watch this. Watch this. Oh, boy. Okay? God is not sending people to hell. Think about it. Okay, now watch this. He's trying to save you from it. Two totally different programs. Which one is it? You know the hell was created for the devil and his demons? It wasn't even created for us. That's heavy, huh? Okay, so, anyways, let me wrap this up. Okay, we sing songs that God is a good God. You know, it says in chapter in Luke chapter six, it says that He is kind to the wicked and the unthankful. Huh? Can we get some of that? Huh? Kind to the we think He's only kind to the good people. He's kind to the wicked and the unthankful. You have the love chapter that tells you what love is. You know what God is love. Go read that love chapter and apply that to God. He's always patient. He's always kind. He keeps no record of wrongs. He always sees your best. He always hopes your best. He always protects. Amen. Amen.
0: It is so powerful uh, to see how God is at work in other people's lives, in part because it reminds us that even when we can't see it, He's at work in our lives. And so I trust, uh, I was convicted, I was encouraged, I was blessed this morning, and I trust that you felt some of those same things as well. I want to say thank you to Sharon and thank you to Henry for sharing their stories. And thanks to all of you here and online for your encouragement in listening to their stories. Uh, we're gonna finish now with a with a song of response. So I'm gonna invite you to stand up as the worship team gathers here. This is a time for you, if you feel so led to do business with God. If you're here this morning and you're like, I don't know God in the way that Sharon and Henry described. I don't I don't have a relationship with God such that I can give thanks even in the midst of a flea infestation, whatever that is in your life, there is no better moment than now to make the decision to follow Jesus with your life. And we can't can't say, we can't give that kind of thanks in and of ourselves. Can't do that in our own power, can't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and figure out a way to just be thankful in all circumstances. The only way we can do that is if the spirit of God inside of us allows us to, to walk in thanksgiving regardless of our circumstances. So there's no better time than now Myself, one of the elders, one of our staff people would love to talk to you about about what it means to follow Jesus with your life. If there is something else that you feel the Spirit of God tugging on your heartstrings right now to deal with Him, there is no better time than now to do so. Uh, Let's worship, and then I'll be up for the benediction. Amen. Hallelujah. He's a good, good Father. Amen. He's God. 'Cause it's who you are. It's who you are. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Until we meet again, or until our Savior comes, and then forever. Amen.